Eco Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. Eco Report is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to Eco Report. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Frank Marshalek. Coming up later in today's feature report, Enrique Sands with the Indiana Environmental Reporter gives a report about Rakita targeting Vanguard, which details the Indiana Attorney General's lawsuit against an investment company that wishes to avoid fossil fuel stocks. And now for your environmental reports. The Indiana Environmental Reporter says our state has taken small steps towards breaking its heavy reliance on coal and natural gas, but some worry a new bill will slow that transition and keep emission spewing fossil fuels around for much longer. As the legislative session kicked off recently, bills for the legislature to consider this session are starting to roll in. One of those is expected to be a bill that would limit the amount of electricity Indiana's utilities could rely on from the grid. In other words, it would require utilities to be able to produce more of their own energy. Regional and national grid operators have raised reliability concerns in recent months, warning that plant retirements have left the area with fewer resources and that fuel availability issues could lead to insufficient energy supplies during severe winter weather. This condition points out the importance of completing the Grain Belt Express, which would bring gobs of power from Kansas. The project has been held up for years by Missouri farmers. That's why Indiana's 21st Century Energy Task Force wants the state's utilities to be more self-sufficient, and it feels the potential legislation which it recommended in its recent final report, is one way of doing that. Quote, The fear is that if we don't find the right balance, we're going to pay whatever price, end quote, said Representative Edmund Soliday, Republican from Valparaiso, during the task force meeting. Soliday, who co-chairs the task force and chairs the House Utilities and Energy Committee, did not reply to Indy Star's request for comment. What is not mentioned in the story is that power companies have successfully handicapped rooftop solar in order to make sure that they retain total control over power. The Herald Times recently reported that the Department of Agriculture has approved the first U.S. vaccine to protect honeybees. Dalen Animal Health, based in Athens, Georgia, has created a prophylactic vaccine that will protect honeybees from American fowl brood disease, which is an aggressive bacterium that can spread quickly from hive to hive. This is good news. The U.S. fruit and produce crops depend on honeybees for pollination. Without pollination, our crops would fail. Populations have dramatically declined in recent years because of climate change, habitat destruction, pesticide use, and disease. 
the new vaccine contains dead Painobacillus larva, the bacteria that causes the illness. In order to get the vaccine into the hives, the vaccine is put in royal jelly, a sugar feed given to queen bees, which then go on to produce worker bees with an immunity against the pathogen. Immunized worker bees will pass the immunity to their sisters over time, similar to how lactating mothers transfer immunity to babies through breast milk, said Keith Delaplane, director of Georgia's bee program. The vaccine will be available for purchase in the U.S. this year. A proposed rule for soot would save lives in Indiana. The tiny particle pollution comes from things like cars, factories, and coal plants. It can harm your heart and your lungs. Environmental groups say the Environmental Protection Agency could save many more lives with a stricter rule. The EPA has proposed lowering the amount of soot from 12 micrograms per cubic meter of air to somewhere between 9 and 10. The agency said that could save about 4,200 lives every year. But lowering it to 8 micrograms could more than double that, said John Bachman. He worked at the EPA Air Office for more than 30 years and is now part of the Environmental Protection Network. Bachman said lowering that limit further could have an especially big impact on Indiana's major metropolitan areas like Indianapolis. Quote, They're so close to violating the standard we have now. So is the sort of northeast corner a little bit. They can be some relatively high numbers up there, so they'll be affected. Unquote, he said. People who live near traffic and other sources of soot are most at risk. That tends to be lower-income Hoosiers and communities of color. Indiana ranks 48th in air quality. The state is currently considering adding three processing plants that would elevate the 2.5 micron particle situation further. As reported in the Jeffersonville News and Tribune, the legislature is now meeting, and several environmental issues will be considered. Renewable energy, climate change mitigation, and ongoing efforts to improve statewide water quality are top issues for Indiana environmental advocates in the 2023 legislative session. Bills already filed by state lawmakers center around local water infrastructure, biofuel tax credits, confined feeding operations, and solar panels. More bills will be filed this week. Language addressing other environmental issues could also be inserted into separate pieces of draft legislation later in the session. The Hoosier Environmental Council, HEC, is lobbying for lawmakers to pass measures that would improve state oversight of coal ash disposal sites, create new tax credits for wetland protection, and require child care centers to test their drinking water for lead. The HEC also wants legislation requiring Indiana to adopt a state climate action plan, as well as increase funding for conservation, wetlands protection, and environmental health in the next two-year state budget. Other groups, like the Citizens Action Coalition and the Sierra Club's Hoosier Chapter, haven't yet released their legislative priorities, but are expected to in the coming days and weeks. There are five environmental issues to watch in the legislature as the next session gets underway. The first one is statewide energy and climate action plans. Among the Indiana Chamber's key legislative issues is the development of a statewide energy plan. 
The 21st Century Energy Policy Development Task Force was created by the Indiana General Assembly and has met for the last four years to discuss various energy topics. So far, Indiana's energy plan can be summed up as coal forever. Now the Indiana Chamber says, quote, it's time to take action, unquote, using the state to develop an energy plan that will, quote, enable the managed transition to reliance upon a more diverse group of energy sources, unquote, including clean coal, natural gas, nuclear, renewables, storage, biomass, and North American petroleum. The HEC is additionally calling for legislation to require Indiana to adopt a state climate action plan. More than half of U.S. states have already adopted such frameworks. Some Indiana cities, including Indianapolis, Bloomington, Richmond, and Goshen, have created their own plans, too. The second issue is coal ash disposal. Bills addressing coal ash disposal are expected to reemerge this session after similar measures failed in 2022. Coal ash, the material left after burning coal, contains heavy metals that contaminate water. For decades, Indiana has been producing millions of tons of coal ash, much of which is stored in the floodplains of rivers or Lake Michigan, according to the HEC. Indiana has the most coal ash ponds of any state, most of which are unlined. Two state bills that would have directed the cleanup of toxic leaking coal ash pits across the state failed in the last session, both dying in committees. The HEC expects new coal ash bills will continue to be opposed by the electric utilities, but noted that federal regulations and liability risk should make utilities more amenable to such legislation. The third issue is renewable energy. Senator Greg Walker, Republican from Columbus, has already filed a bill calling for the Indiana Department of Environmental Management and the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission to conduct a joint study concerning decommissioning and disposal of solar panels. Solar panels and electronic waste that have reached the end of their service life are mostly shredded and tossed into landfills where they can release toxic materials into the surrounding environment. The study would look for ways for the state to pay for the decommissioning and disposal of solar panels in Indiana and to identify more efficient means for recycling the disposal of those materials. The bill would require the agencies to report findings and recommendations no later than November 1st. The HEC is additionally seeking legislation that would enable local governments, businesses, and nonprofits to build community solar projects like solar farms. In Indiana, especially in rural regions, disagreements among local government units, utilities, and residents have largely prevented that kind of development. Plus, the electric utilities have escaped paying homeowners with rooftop solar anything for what they put onto the grid. After carbon sequestration became a contested topic in the 2022 session, Indiana Farm Bureau, INFB, said it's now lobbying to protect landowner subsurface property rights. The fourth issue is local water infrastructure. Grants, loans, and other financial assistance would be available to repair, replace, or increase water infrastructure and replace lead service lines. At least half of the total amount of grants in the fund would be required to go to counties, cities, and towns with less than 50,000 residents, according to the bill. Indiana needs to spend roughly $2.3 billion 
to repair and replace old service lines around the state, according to a 2016 IFA state audit. The report noted that another $815 million will also be needed annually to maintain the new utilities. The fifth and final issue is environmental spending in the next budget. State lawmakers haven't yet made clear what, if any, environmental issues will be priorities in the upcoming session. Although federal dollars aimed at infrastructure could help clean up coal ash and boost protections for wetlands, Key budget writers have expressed hesitancy about the new state spending in the next budget, citing inflation and concerns about recession. Again, corporate profit and exploitation are the key values. Still, the HEC said it supports, quote, a robust increase, unquote, in state investment in land, water, and wildlife conservation, as well as additional funding for trails and greenways across the state and for Indiana's 63 local public transit systems. Governor Eric Holcomb's 2023 agenda also gives a nod to several environmental issues, including a request for $50 million to be appropriated for the state's existing trial program and $25 million for land conservation efforts. Larry Clemens, state director of the Indiana chapter of the Nature Conservancy, said in a statement that the governor's land conservation proposal is the most significant commitment of state funding in 30 years. Quote, At a time when our legislatures are considering important issues like education, economic development, and Hoosier's overall well-being, it's important to recognize the role nature plays in all of these aspects of life. End quote, Clemens said. Governor Holcomb's proposed investment in Natural Indiana bolsters all of the other important programs the state will undertake in the next budget. Energy Wire reports that Christmas week's fierce bomb cyclone has put new urgency behind a critical issue for the nation's power system, how grid owners and operators prepare for extreme weather emergencies. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and the North American Electric Reliability Corps NERC, the Grid Security Monitor, are beginning a joint investigation of Winter Storm Elliott, which swept across the U.S. with deadly cold, paralyzing snowstorms and destructive winds. On Christmas Eve, over 1.6 million U.S. customers lacked power, poweradage.us reported. At the storm's peak impact, more than 60% of the country was under winter weather alerts, weather.com reported. That came after NERC warned in November that areas of the U.S. that faced prolonged winter weather could see power supplies seriously challenged by harsh new storm assaults. Quote, The effects of Winter Storm Elliott demonstrate yet again that our bulk power system is critical to public safety and health, end quote. Outgoing FERC Chair Richard Glick said in a Wednesday news release announcing the inquiry. Jim Robb, NERC's chief executive said much will be learned from last month's winter storm. Some areas saw planned power outages known as load shedding to help keep the grid stable. In addition to the load shedding in Tennessee and the Carolinas, multiple energy emergencies were declared and new demand records were set across the continent, Rob said in a statement, adding that it underscores the need for the electric sector to change its planning scenarios and preparations for extreme events. 
As the storm hit, Rob's organization, which drafts federal grid resilience and security regulations for consideration by FERC, was in a rare debate with regional grid organizations over how far power plant owners must go to safeguard their facilities against the worst winter barrages. Given that the oceans are greatly overfished, V-Garden, a food tech startup based in Israel, has unveiled vegan canned tuna made using pea protein. The tuna analog is crafted to satisfy the appetites of the growing pool of sustainability-driven consumers by bringing to the table its creative response to the issue of the overfished and rapidly declining sea populations of wild tuna. The product has the same appearance, texture, and flavor as the canned kitchen staple, according to V-Garden. Canned tuna is the company's first product in this category. V-Garden is already in the final stages of developing four more products in the fish alternative space, which the company expects to announce by the end of the year. Speaking of food ingredients first, Omer Ilyev, head of R&D and co-founder of the business, said the biggest challenge in creating an identical tin tuna is to provide the company's sensory experience of taste, texture, and smell. Quote, we want to make it accessible to all consumers, not just vegan. It took us a lot of experiments and tasting to get the exact look and feel of tuna. In addition, we decided to clean up the label from unwanted additives and just keep a short list of ingredients, end quote. Many fish species are likely to be so overfished that in a few years they're functionally extinct. For example, 2022 saw the collapse of virtually all fi salmon fisheries along the Pacific coast of North America. And now, Enrique Sainz with the Indiana Environmental Reporter will discuss the Indiana Attorney General's lawsuit against Vanguard, an investment company that wishes to avoid fossil fuel stocks. Climate change is real and it's happening now. Human activity, especially the combustion of fossil fuels like coal and gasoline, has released greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide and methane into the atmosphere, which in turn is trapping heat instead of letting it go off into space. The trapped heat is causing the Earth's climate to change in dangerous and expensive ways. Here in Indiana, beginning in the mid 20th century, the state has gotten wetter and hotter. There's about five and a half inches more precipitation per year on average than 100 years ago, and it's about 1.2 degrees hotter. Those changes are costing Hoosier communities millions of dollars to keep up with, and things could get a lot worse by the end of the century if greenhouse gas emissions aren't curbed. A great push has begun to transition away from fossil fuels, and even financial institutions have gotten in on it. Some of the major investment management firms have pledged to pursue net zero emissions from their investments, signing onto agreements like the Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative. Despite signing on to these agreements, most investment firms are still investing in fossil fuels. That hasn't stopped Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita and other Republican attorneys general from fossil fuel dependent states from seeing those pledges as threats. They are asking the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission to reverse a decision authorizing Vanguard Group, an investment firm that manages more than $8 trillion in assets, to own a substantial amount of utility company voting securities. 
FERC authorized Vanguard and its subsidiary companies to acquire and administer up to 20% ownership in voting securities in 2019 and reauthorized the company for another three years in August. Rokita and the other attorneys general opposed the decision, saying the company breached a key tenet of the agreement, a promise not to exercise control over the day-to-day -day management of the utilities it dealt with or affect the prices at which power is transmitted or sold. They say Vanguard's participation in the Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative and other alliances to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions violates that agreement. In a motion to intervene submitted to FERC, they wrote, quote, Vanguard's own public commitments and other statements have at the very least created the appearance that Vanguard has breached its promises to the commission by engaging in environmental activism and using its financial influence to manipulate the activities of the utility companies in its portfolio. That's what the attorneys generals wrote in a motion to intervene submitted to FERC. The Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative is non-binding, but requires signatories to publish climate-related financial disclosures. Vanguard has since dropped out of the initiative, saying the initiative's commitment to fighting climate change had resulted in confusion about the view of individual investment firms. The company said it decided to withdraw to make it clear it speaks independently on matters of importance to its investors. The company said its decision to withdraw would not affect its commitment to helping investors navigate the risks that climate change can pose to their long-term returns and would continue to interact with companies they fund to understand how they address material risks, including climate risks, in the interests of long-term investors. Human activities, especially using fossil fuels that release large amounts of greenhouse gases when burned, have caused deadly and costly changes in the Earth's climate. In some parts of the world, climate change has become more deadly than cancer. Climate change effects like heat stress, rising sea levels, damaged infrastructure, and reduced agricultural productivity could cost the U.S. economy $14.5 trillion over the next 50 years if the country does not address the causes of climate change like fossil fuel use. Conversely, the U.S. economy could gain $3 trillion if it rapidly decarbonizes, according to auditing firm Deloitte U.S. Fossil fuel companies reported record profits in 2022, including coal, which experienced a downward turn for about a decade before a brief resurgence in 2021. That's when coal became the largest source of electricity generation in 15 states due to high natural gas prices. One of those states is Indiana, where coal makes up about 64% of the total energy produced and about 26% of the energy consumed in the state. According to the Indiana Department of Natural Resources, the state's mining industry, including coal, supports about 2,500 jobs and adds about $750 million to the state economy. Coal has had an outsized influence on state lawmakers and officials via hundreds of thousands of dollars in direct political donations. Lawmakers and officials, in turn, work to protect the industry despite its effect on the climate and its diminishing economic prospects. Rokita and state lawmakers have targeted banks and other financial institutions that use environmental, social, and governance considerations, otherwise known as ESG, in investing, saying those considerations, like reducing greenhouse gas emissions, discriminate against fossil fuels. Rokita called ESG investing weaponized wokeness and said that ESG advocates claim the considerations don't interfere with making money, but are actually misleading people for the sake of progressive politics. 
Investment management companies like BlackRock Incorporated call ESG sustainable investing that allows investors to build more resilient portfolios and achieve better long-term risk-adjusted returns. A five-year analysis of global stocks found that stocks tilted toward companies with positive ESG scores outperformed benchmark portfolios globally. For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Frank Marshleck. Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. Participate in an owl prowl at the Goose Pond Fish and Wildlife Areas on Saturday, January 21st from 4.30 to 7 p.m. Meet at the Visitor Center to learn about owls, how they hunt at night, and why they are important to our ecosystem. Hopefully, you'll get to see some short-eared owls over the prairie and spend some time calling to the woodland species. Dress for the weather. Enjoy the Friends Trail Hike at Brown County State Park on Sunday, January the 22nd from 11 to 11.30 a.m. The naturalist will lead a short ADA-accessible hike on a paved sidewalk where you will get to see a vista not accessible by car, walk past an historic gatehouse, and learn about the work friends groups do for Indiana State Parks. The Winter Exploration Hike will explore the South Fork Robertson Cemetery area of Lake Monroe on Wednesday, January 25th, beginning at 1 p.m. These off-trail hiking adventures have no set path with plenty of freedom to roam around. The terrain can be a bit rugged, and there are no toilet facilities. Register at bit.ly forward slash weh dash jan dash 25 dash 2023. The Eagles Over Monroe event returns with a full slate of programs and activities beginning on Thursday, January the 26th and running through Tuesday, January the 31st. Each day offers a special event or activity. To learn about all the activities and to sign up, go to the DNR website. Learn all about backyard birds at McCormick's Creek State Park on Saturday, January 28th, beginning at 10 a.m. Meet in the bird viewing room at the Nature Center to learn about feeding the birds and not the raccoons. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. 
Our script today was assembled by Juliana Daly and edited by Patrick Callanan. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced today's show and edited its audio. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Frank Marshlick. And this is Eco Report. You've been listening to the Eco Report. A volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB. In Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source. For South Central Indiana. Bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.